So Psalm 91 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he would deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall come be allowed to befall you. No plague come near to your tent. <clears throat> For he who will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways on their hands, and they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adler, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in times of trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And all of God's men said, Amen. Amen. All right. Why don't you guys open up to John 6. So... um. Just look at them. If you have our booklets, if you don't, I know some of you still need ones. So I'll get those next week. Uh, I had enough. I didn't. Um, if you look on page 32, if you have this, or just John 1. Um, so John 6, we have been talking about for the last several weeks. John 6 is really one whole unit um, covering a number of things that Jesus is doing, but it's all really... It's, it's one of those chapters that does all fit together, the way John has put that together. And it starts out with Jesus feeding the 5,000, one of the greatest miracles that Jesus ever did. So it starts out with that, and John it says Jesus feeds the 5,000, starting in John 1. And then the next thing that happens is Jesus, um, after doing that, he gets um, the, his disciples get, they're at the Sea of Galilee for the feeding of the 5,000. On one side of the Sea of Galilee, he does the feeding of the 5,000. His disciples get in a boat and go to the other side without Jesus. But as they're getting to the other side, guess who shows up? <laughs> Jesus. Jesus yeah. Walking on the water. Okay? So that's the next miracle that we find out. And then all those people who had listened to him, many of them, came over also then to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And that's where what I want to do is start uh, in verse 22. We've already read this before, but to sort of set the stage, what ends up happening is Jesus then starts to talk about how he is the bread of life. 
And he goes through and talks about this for about a half of a chapter. And the result of him talking about this is that his disciples respond at the end of chapter, of John chapter 6, which ultimately we're going to look at today. In verse 60, the way his disciples respond to his teaching about the bread, him being the bread of life, is it says, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? And then Jesus, in essence, unfolds what it is he was really, even just adding and being more direct about what he meant by the fact that he was the bread of life. And then it ends with this, comes to the end with this statement where it says in verse 66, and this, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Pretty shocking. Yeah. That he had discussed all the stuff about the bread of life and as a result of that, many, many of his disciples turned away and no longer walked with him. So, I want to read tonight just that portion first of what he said through all that. And then I want to take a look more specifically tonight at what it, what he said after his disciples said it's a hard saying. And what did he say and what did that really mean that he's after said that? Because then the result of that is they all say, see ya. Right. I don't want to follow you anymore. Okay. So, um, who would like, anybody, um, who would like to read a pretty big portion of scripture? Good reader. <laughs> who, um, who wants to volunteer? Anybody do that? Sure. Okay, so why don't you read, so we're going to read, I want you to read John 6, 22, and I want you to read all the way up to 59. Okay? Okay. All right. So listen, as, as you go through this, I want you to, as you're listening to it, really try to listen to what Jesus is saying here as his teaching. And maybe even picture yourself as like the first disciples. And I'm wondering, as you're hearing this, what is it for you, if you put yourself in their situation, what is it that's so hard about this saying, of what Jesus is saying, that ultimately they're going to walk away? All right. So This is the uh, English Standard Version. It starts off with... Uh, yeah. I am the bread of life. You must have good. You must have good eyes because that's good glasses and that's very. Small. Yeah, because it looks like <laughs> Chinese when I do that. Uh, on the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciple had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread. After the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures the eternity. To eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, 
And what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us bread. Give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Uh, 59? Yep. Okay. Go on, yep. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is not this Jesus the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus, Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the man in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. My flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. It's a hard saying. <laughs> There's a lot, so a lot there. So what do you, as you guys listen to that... What is hard about what Jesus is saying? What's what's the hard? The literal part is 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 what? It's cannibalism. (laughs) Okay. If you were to take it literally. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. And they didn't get it. Okay. Was this uh, any Old Testament type saying anywhere? Well, what do you think is the, well, what, what like, part is he referencing something from, that they should know when they've heard this? 
what 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 do you guys hear from the Old Testament here? What what would you if you were a Jew? What would be what would you be thinking yeah. when you heard this? I'd be thinking, yikes. <laughs> but he's. Well, who's when they talk about it, it's the bread that came from heaven. It's man. Man, so very, very from good. Yep, exactly. Like Jesus. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. okay. So, so, does the Old yep. Testament refer to bread elsewhere? Spiritual bread. Yeah. In um. Yeah, it does in some different places. Um, this one is equating bread to flesh. No. That's that's the weird. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The bread part I got, I just, if, if there was anything about his blood, his flesh was in the Old Testament, I couldn't sound like it. It was just the bread part. Okay, all right. All right. Yeah, Eric. It occurs to me that um, they're used to living under the law, and they know what the law is. And so the law is a practical application of behavior. And so the first thing that happens is, is that he feeds the 5,000, and they get it, that this is something different. This is a sign. So the reason they go across the lake to follow him is they want another sign, and they want verification and, and validation for the attention that they they now have. Very good. Uh-huh. But, but what's happening is, is that the only reference they have, they go back to the Old Testament with manna, which is another circumstance where a sign was given to keep people going. And so they understand signs and they understand the law. But they don't have, they've been deprived of a spiritual depth by the, the law that they, they can't transition over and understand the metaphor of who he is and what he represents. It's just against their thinking. Because everything else is so literal. Everything is so literal. Show me a sign and you got me. No more signs? I'm out of here. And it's a, I mean, you gotta remember their education level for them to even know what the Old Testament says. That's given them some credit, you know. So when he starts talking in the, the spiritual realm, um, they've been taught not to go to the spiritual realm. They've been taught to learn the law and live by the law. So everything in their life is totally just practicality. This is the rules. If I do the rules, then I can be a Jew and everything is happy and I can get along with everybody else. So let's take with what you said there. So what do you think Jesus is saying that so is radically different from that? What is So take what Eric just said, which I think is a pretty, pretty good summation of it. Very good summation of it as to how they could be viewing this. So what is Jesus saying to them? He's not saying, I'm going to go do another sign, but he's, he's telling them something which is so different to them than what they've been used to with the law. In a lot I'm of the bread. <laughs> okay. So what is it good? So, yeah. So uh-huh. I think, he, well, first off, he's the first one in biblical text that says he's the man. He's the first one that says, I am. He's, uh-huh. you know... Okay, good. Uh-huh. And, and I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to understand this in context of, you know, Eric brushed on it, their education. And, and Jew, we talked about the way Jewish writing is, the blue boat is great, you know, great is the blue boat. The way they do things, and, you know, Jews are, are known for 
answering questions with questions and just to try to my my thing is just you morons. It's a parable. Why why is he not saying that? He, he's not he's not being so direct. He's making them think. And I'm and I'm 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 kind of thinking that maybe it has something to do with the culture and the way that you know the the, the thinking that, that they're used to knowing. Am I, am I right? No, that's exactly what Aaron. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's because over you know truly truly I say to you I mean these people aren't getting it. No. But Jesus is also not saying this is a parable. I'm not talking about cannibalism. I'm just kind of curious as to why he doesn't do that. Okay. All right. Like use probably just to uh, um, to separate the the sheep from the goats uh, if they can't imagine. What he's really asking them to do is to to absolutely be absorbed in him, to right. be com- to be com- to be completely his, and he's the nourishment. He knew these okay. yeah. these Jews that we was talking to were skeptics. He knew they were not to use a word from verse twelve to verse one of chapter one. They knew they were not receiving him. Correct. And so, and receiving and think of eat my flesh and drink my blood, it's a, it's a, like you said, it's like a symbol, it's a symbolism of receiving him. But why so, does he know? So if I may just read, I did a couple of weeks ago when yeah. we were talking about uh-huh. this, because we go back to chapter one as being the template. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. And the first two verses kind of introduce that received word, so, but they need to be read. So verses 10 in chapter one. He was in the world, this is John talking about he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. So right there he's saying he was rejected. He was not received. He was rejected. He came in his own, and his own received him not. But as many as did receive him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believed on his name, which were born not of blood, interesting, because we're talking about drinking his blood. Mm-hmm. We're not born of blood, nor the will of the flesh. It's talking about eating bread as his flesh. Nor the will of man, but of God. So I'm injected into that. So let me read verse 13 again. Which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So the ones who were born of God received mm-hmm. him. So the ones who were born of God ate his flesh, mm-hmm. drank his blood. Could you say then that this is a precursor to the introduction of the Holy Spirit? This is kind of like a a preview. Uh huh. Because interesting, yeah. Yeah, because see, the the Holy, the concept of the Holy Spirit is something that hasn't been introduced yet, and yet what he's talking about is leading up to the Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit's all about, which is, which separated, when that ha- happened, it separated the Jews mightily behind, between the early Christians who were introduced to the Holy Spirit and wanted to go that way. Then they got ostracized by the hardcore Jews because yeah. they weren't, they were now going a different path and not following all just the rules. So this, to me, it, it, this is kind of a, like a little precursor introduction to what the Holy Spirit and the walk is all, really all about. But again, why is why why does he choose to be so literal? 
because of, because the spirit. I'm sorry, but the but the cannibalism versus the spiritual scent happens after, so it might have already preheated. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Yeah, good way of putting it. It's good metaphor. <laughs> Speaking of metaphor, yeah, yeah, you, you were going to say precursor to him going to the cross. Uh huh. Because uh, because his flesh was destroyed and his blood hit the ground. And if you uh, take it, he was giving that for everybody. So he was feeding them with his own body. Mm-hmm. But it was a metaphor, and you, you know, I mean, I wonder why he didn't say, say it was a parable, but, uh, but it, it, it just recur, a precursor mm-hmm. to what was going to happen. Yeah, and just so you know, a parable is a, met- a metaphor, a parable is an extended metaphor, yeah, okay. so I mean, yeah. yeah. I just have a thought. Uh-huh. The world, he says, now for the world. At that point in time, they had no concept of the world was, mm-hmm. but obviously Jesus did. But they did know that they were God's chosen people. Yeah, so this, yeah. The so, world was in the right, Middle East. Right. But, you know, you've got fall Galileans, you've got other non-religious yeah. people. He's basically, to what you're saying, is is that they're already kind of thinking, aren't I already saved? I'm already kind of God's chosen person. And you're telling I think that's what you're saying. You're, exactly. open, you're opening it up to everybody. What's up with that? But I realize that he, just so you guys know, where Jesus is right now, it's very specific. He's in Capernaum. Capernaum is in northern Israel at the Sea of Galilee. This area is very heavily influenced and a lot of people who live there who are not Jews. Okay. So other Roman Greeks, I mean, a lot, it's, it's a, it's a very mixed, diverse culture up in Galilee. If he was down in Jerusalem, it would be primarily you know, Orthodox. What you know, year was this? Jews. What year was this? Yeah. Oh. AD 32. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> probably. Yeah, AD 32. Probably mm-hmm. about AD 32. <laughs> okay? So, Somewhere but, around but, it. We I know. Mean, I'm still concentrating on the word world. Hmm. Well. Because they had no idea what the world was, but maybe he no, was did. The but I think for them, going to what he's saying, the world for them was would be, there's, for the Jews... But the world for We're Jews. the chosen race, we're the Jews, and everything else is the world. <laughs> right. Okay. Exactly. So, when they hear the world in that sense, they're thinking, well, didn't you come for us? Okay. And so the world would be everything, I mean, they're seeing it around them. They're looking, they're going, there's all these other people who are not Jews. The Roman Empire at this point in time is like in the middle of its... Heyday. Heyday. Yeah. yeah. And it extends all the way to the northern and it's starting to reach out into, you know, the east. But they had no idea what America was or China. No, or but there's like definitely, they know, or they Mars know, or Jupiter or there's yeah. more than 10,000 people in the world at this point because the Romans alone are, have uh, just completely dominated that whole area of. Well, I tend to agree with you. It seems to me that, um, we could have done more. And yeah. I, I'm assuming we're getting to that. <laughs> well, but it's a good question. I'm just, yeah. Like, um, Jeff, like Jeff said in the sermon, uh, truth can be questioned. Yeah, yeah. He said that. Well, Tom, were you saying, going to say something? Are you, are you two? I don't know if I saw it. Okay. Any, no, I, okay. Um, Eric, yeah. I have a statement and a question. Basically, this audience is based on skepticism. Yes. So, my question is, 
at that time, weren't there a lot of false prophets that came and went? Oh, that's kind of that would that pulled people aside and yep. kind of. That's good. That's an excellent point. Well, which is a part of the reason. I mean, the Pharisees' job and the rulers here, which again is mostly called Jews. So mostly, when we read the word Jews in John, as opposed to the other Gospels. He's referring to religious leaders. Okay. Um, so, in that sense, their responsibility is to test to see whether people are, are really of God or not. And so the, the genuine thing, mostly like give bad mouth to the Pharisees, but the Pharisees were the ones who were supposed to be in charge in making sure that there's not false prophets false and teaching false people. There were people. a lot of false prophets running around. Because the false prophets basically would undermine the authority of the Sadducees and Pharisees. Sure. And they couldn't put up with And that. what is Jesus doing? <laughs> well, he just performed a couple miracles and now there's the distraction. Yeah, yeah. And everyone remember, you brought it up, I think, you just brought it up again. You brought up, um, I think, two weeks ago. I think you did. Um, we don't hear the force of when Jesus is talking and he says, I am. It's not even the saying the bread of life that makes him go, what are you talking about? When he says, I am, he is using a phrase that says, Yahweh. Right. He's using a phrase that says, I am the God of the Old Testament. <laughs> I am I am equal to God. I am God. And he's saying I have this relationship with the Father. And what's he saying the Father is doing? He's saying the Father is you guys are you you, you don't understand unless the Father's drawing you. I mean it's pretty radical too. It's like whoa, you know, and somehow you know this Jesus. So he's he's speaking with a lot of a Authority that would cause the Jews to just go, "What the frick are you talking about?" <laughs> and no other spiritual it, leader has ever done that before. So. Yeah, not saying I am like that. Yeah. Right. Does, does, he, does he equate trying to put it all together like a spiritual, physical element? Where because he keeps on saying he's the bread of life, he's the bread yes, of life, yes. and then he's saying, "If you knew God, if you knew God and Nana." Uh huh. But all that comes from heaven. But it comes from God. Right. So the bread in, in the Old Testament came from God. Who is he saying now has come from God? Himself. Himself. Right. right? And so, right. but he's saying the, the bread and the metaphor is like a spiritual metaphor uh-huh. of manna. Mm-hmm. Coming yeah. from, I come from God, but you're not seeing it because... Uh, if you knew, because uh, he draw, if he would, then he draws all, he draws the men, mm-hmm. um, he, he would have drawn you, you would have seen it. Right. All this time, you guys saying, I'm the bread of life, or, uh, and then using a, a spiritual metaphor for, eat my flesh. Yeah. So when he's saying he is the bread of life, as opposed to in Moses' day, it's the, what the manna came to, because they were hungry, right? The only way they were going to survive and have life, was to eat the manna. And that manna came from heaven. Now Jesus is saying, guess what? <laughs> to have real life, eternal life, you now need to eat me. Me. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> okay. That's spiritual life. Yeah. Not physical life. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 But they were they were just hearing the physical part. Right. They right. weren't hearing yeah. the spiritual. But he did that also. I'm sorry to interrupt. But he did that also. Remember with Nicodemus and when he talked about uh-huh. coming out of the womb. In fact, he mm-hmm. some of this echoes his conversation with Nicodemus. Yeah. Okay. But we're falling back continually. This phrase that we all use all the time of, who are you? Yes. Uh-huh. You know, and they just didn't get it. No. You know? No. And he didn't... It seems strange. Why would they, he not want them to get it? Yeah, why did he, he knows, say it in a way? Because he knows they are against him. Yeah. It, Go ahead. Yeah. It says, we've read it, he said these things in the synagogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he was going to the priests and blaspheming. I mean, he knew he was going to make them irate. And later in his verses, you know, when he crossed, I would think it's the priests who are asking him all these cynical questions. It's not going to be the believers who just got fed or just got healed. Common people aren't going to be saying, well, we got manna. You know, it's the priests that were so think of the word synagogue and think of the word priest. And let me read you two, two verses. Revelation 2 9. I know that he's speaking in a positive to the church of Smyrna. So this is what Revelation 2 9. I know thy works in tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. So he's complimenting them. And I know the blasphemy of them which they say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. So he just spoke in the synagogue, telling him, I'm the bread, eat my body, eat my bread. He knew he was blowing these people away. He was making them irate. And he knew they were, for lack of a better word, doomed. They weren't going to come. He knew that. The whole theme of this, what we're read in 6, is receive me. You're going to receive me? These guys weren't receiving me. And you think, well, that's kind of hardball for Jesus to say that. And in chapter 3, verse 9... Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, uh-huh. I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee. Right. Can I, can I say something? There's, uh, on, on verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws yes. him. Uh-huh. So, we're all you know, through grace, the grace of God. Everybody, I think the argument is, is everybody at some point in their life is drawn to him, whether they listen or not is another story. Is, am I, is that right? So, right. so we're, we're given, we have, supposedly we have free will, which I, I believe that. Yeah. So, and he says there in 44, whoever, you know, is drawn to him. You're, you're drawn. God chooses to be drawn to him, right? It's not because nobody's running to God. Am I right? Yeah. So you have to be somewhere along the line, your, your, your morality through, you know, um, which I believe is rooted ultimately in God. And whether you're listening to that or not. It's kind of what's what this is all about. You're you're just not you're going to hell. I think it's there are continual paradox between uh, 
free will versus predestination. Well, you definitely yeah. have that tension here. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. And so we don't have a good answer to that. Right. Yeah. So I want us to move on because so what ends up happening is so you guys all have a really good discussion. So the result of all this, if you look at verse sixty, was that many of the disciples heard what we all just heard. They probably <laughs> had some of these type of discussions, okay? And they said, this is a hard saying. And actually that word hard means this is very difficult. This is a harsh saying. This is very difficult, not just for us to understand, but we don't even get what we're supposed to be doing with this. Okay, so, and then they say, who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, so this is now Jesus' response, do not take offense at this. No, do you take offense? Do you, sorry, do you take offense at this? Thank you. Do you take offense at this? Um, and by the way, the word offense means actually means falling away or unbelief. In other words, are you going to come to a point of unbelief? Are you not believing what I'm saying? Is really what he says with the Greek word here. Then, what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? And then Jesus says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you these things, that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. Okay. And then it, then it goes, then it says, after this many of the disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? <laughs> you imagine all these people exiting. So he says to his apostle, to the apostles, you want to go to, and Simon Peter, as we all know, Simon Peter is not without words. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answers Peter and says, did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is of the devil? Goes back to what you just said about Satan. So here now we see Satan coming into this. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simeon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. So Jesus is even saying now, even one of my closest people is going to betray me, ultimately. But, I want to go back to what you had said, okay? So what's happening here is Jesus is taking all the metaphor that he talked about, and he's now answering the question literally. So he had talked about who he was, metaphorically, I'm the bread of life. But what Jesus does here, he says in just a couple sentences, here's the point. This is, I'm I'm not going to beat around the bush, I'm not going to give you a metaphor, I'm going to just tell you what it is I've been trying to tell you in everything we just read before. Okay, got that? So this is what Jesus says, it's like the literal, this is what he means by what he said, which is verse 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words I have spoken to you are Spirit and life. So of all the things Jesus just said, 
ultimately now you say, now I'm going to just not beat around the bush. I'm going to tell you, and you picked mm-hmm. it up, Eric, right. which is this is in part has something to do with the Spirit. All right? So now Jesus is saying, it is the Spirit who gives life. Because what was he talking about with the bread of life? Bread of life. You hear that? Life, life, bread of life. Bread of life, bread of life, bread of life. I'm the one who's giving you life. And now he says, what gives life? What gives life? The Spirit. Who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. But now I want you to listen to this statement. The words I have spoken to you, all through everything we're reading about in John so far, Jesus keeps talking about the words. What are the words supposed to do that Jesus speaks? What's the effect of those words? What should the effect of those words be? What does he keep saying about the words he's saying? What should they do? Transformative. They should be transformative. What should then reason? Right. So what should be the result? People hear the words of Jesus, they should what? Bring them to belief. Believe. Believe. And which is what? What? Pistis. Okay? Receive the word too. Exactly. Right. So Jesus has been constantly saying, these words, where do the words come from that Jesus speaks? They come from the Father. Father. And he keeps saying, these words I speak to you, and the, the result is, are people going to believe? <laughs> and have life. Right. Or are they not? It just comes down to just right down the middle. Exactly. Okay. So when you hear that, what do you guys when you hear Jesus say like literally, the spirit who gives life, the flesh is no help at all, the words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Mm-hmm. Think of what Jesus is saying there. Well, the why is words he only, why is he only now saying this to the twelve? He's already pissed off everybody else. Yeah. Why can't? Why didn't he do that to the masses? He, 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 the, he, he just said. Yeah. He just said. I know those who are mine. Yeah. He yeah. knew he would piss them yeah. off. Those guys were doomed right. before right. he opened his mouth. Well, so he, you know, he should kind of saw them up on him. Well, I didn't know. Who he, I didn't know who they were talking to. I explained who they were. Uh, along with what Eric said. If you truly believe we are born of free will. We're basically saying people are predestined in God's mind. And I know there's a time-space continuum that doesn't apply to God. He knows everything. So it's like... There's a word for it. If you can hold two contrary thoughts in your mind at once, there's a word for it. But Paradox. Chuck Smith explained what we're talking about really simply so people pick me. When you're going to the gate, it says, knock and the door will be open to you. You knock and you go in and you're in heaven and you look back at the same door and above the lintel it says, you did not choose me, I chose you. (laughs) Two different concepts blended. Yeah. Yeah, which is, again, the tension, uh, not to get into the predestination. In fact, for the Jews, they sort of, they didn't wrestle with that as much as we do. I mean, both these concepts are hand-in-hand, we don't get it. God has chosen us, and God chooses us. Somehow he's done that from the beginning, but also we have free will, and we have to choose. All right. 
So what, in a sense, I want to say what Jesus is doing when here he speaks, that speaking of his word is creating a division. And there is going to be those who are going to hear and believe, which are the ones <laughs> that are going to look back at, through the door, when they walk through the door and say, he chose you. But they were part of that process, too. And they're going to be the ones who are going to walk away. So I don't have to like everybody. <laughs> what do you mean? I don't like people. So there's... I say that... I say that all probably. I'm just saying, it, it's... You know that there's... You know, we're supposed to, you know... Love everybody. Love everybody. With the inclination that maybe you're going to do some benefit to these people, but... What we're just hearing now, there's predestined people that are never going to be that. And I'm not saying we have the ability to choose those people out and judge yeah, them. Yeah, we don't. God knows we I, in the same respect, I mean, I'm not going to go around making friends with everybody because it doesn't... Am I, make, am I making sense? Not really. Could, could we, no, not could really. Could, I mean, it, uh, it, what's, what's friendship got to do with it? We're, we're serving people with love and kindness... We don't necessarily have to like them, no. but we do have right. to love them. And um, yeah, that's... and so we, we can love them and not like what they do. Um, and But in, in terms of predestination, <clears throat> that's too complex a, an issue for us poor little people. And that's such a... That is such a... Uh, Controversial, but God is respecting us in these verses by <coughs> revealing this mystery to us. Right. He's saying, you know, God has all this yeah. in His mind. In from the beginning of time, this has all been laid out. And some are going to be saved, and some aren't. And God chooses those. And how God do we know? Yeah, go ahead. Tom. But it also doesn't say that. Those people wouldn't have been saved down the road. Who knows? Yeah. But God, I would have, you know, omniscience and stuff, but he knows who will believe and not believe. Yeah. You know, and, but doesn't judge him for that. I mean, until the last day, but it's at the same time, um, I just get the sense that he just understood that some will fall away, like Judas did. Like he knew all along Judas was, I mean, he's been saying it all along that there's one in here that's with the devil and so um, and so he does see those things you know Greg was kind of harping on this verse a minute ago and it kind of deals with what we're talking about it's just it, again it's a mystery but if you equate spirit and the spirit world with mystery how do we understand that well we really don't but I mean this is Jesus talking and he's opening up a realm that's really beautiful and, and it's mysterious it is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh profiteth not profiteth nothing. So these people who are listening in the flesh it's the spirit that quickeneth. So the people out there that have their spirits vulnerable, open minded okay, and then it goes on. The works that the I words. the words that I speak yeah. to you, they are spirit. So he's saying you want you want to have the mystery revealed? My words Reveal the mystery of the Spirit. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. 
So what is that? Yeah. So you guys hear that? I want you to hear that. You gotta hear Jesus here. The words I speak to you are spirit. They are life. Yes. Okay. So I'm gonna go back to what you just said. I'm not exactly sure if I got what you said either as far as with other people there. But what is, what is the way we know whether someone's called? Whether someone is called by the Father? What's our responsibility with that? To, what's our responsibility to everybody else in the world that we meet ultimately? How do we participate in knowing whether those are ones that God has called or they have not? How do we do that? I, I'm just wrestling with yeah. the fact that, you know, obviously God or, or Jesus, we're supposed to love everybody. Yet there's a whole, I'm, I'm fixated on this. I need to, yeah. I, need to, I, need to I need to get a, that's <laughs> lets, but he lets a lot of people go. This is part back to my, why is he speaking in parables? So he just, he just, you know, pissed off a lot of people. And if we're supposed to, what does it mean to love everybody? If he knows, obviously, salvation and eternal life, he's letting these people go. That doesn't sound like love to me. Hmm. Well, right. So I want to, I want to go back to, to ask a question. So he's not actually talking about love here. Okay. He's talking about, about who? He's talking about himself. And he's saying, I am the one, I am the one who's come to give this world life. Okay, and he speaks into the world the words that he says, and those words end up creating a division. <laughs> there are going to be those, we see this all through John, there are going to be those who are going to hear that word, and they're going to believe. All right, And there's going to be those who are going to turn away. And we don't understand that process here. Yeah. But notice that what Jesus says there is, it's his words that are going to make that decision point. I think his words I'm bring sorry. that spirit of life. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm just saying, I keep hearing you saying something. I, I, I feel like what you're saying, and I kind of understand a little bit, is that you're thinking maybe that you see Jesus in a different light at this time. Like he, he's, he's different in the sense, like, why is Jesus like this? But then at Damascus, he, he runs right in and he saves Paul and Paul preaches to the Philippians and tells him that, you know, there's, it's not about circumcision, it's about the grace of God. You're seeing Jesus in a different way right now. Why can't he just be that person who speaks in parables and love everybody? And not make people mad. Is that is that kind of it, 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 yeah? It is. I don't want to fixate on it. I just I mean, obviously, he has the ability to save everybody, yet he doesn't. Well, if you if you say you're you're fixated on love, that's fine. If he saved everybody, love would have no meaning. Yeah, I totally get it. Mm-hmm. I, I I understand that. I just. Uh, it is somewhat, or not somewhat. I'm, this is on my list of questions. It's a meritocracy. Yeah. But isn't this whole thing about, <laughs> and this what we're yeah. talking about, is a choice of life and death? It is. I mean, in eight, is it in eight fifty one or something? He talks about death again. I mean, yeah. it's it's basically you either live or you die. Not physically, right? But the spirit, For right? Sure. So, yeah. so what is it that determines whether you live or die? What is Jesus saying here in six sixty three? What is going to determine whether you live or die? Whether you believe. And what is it that you believe? What are you believing? That he's God. 
the word. Right. He's, he's you're believing God. what he says, which is he is saying he is God, yes. But you're believing him. You're putting your faith, your pistis in him. And that, that happens through his speech, his words, okay? When his words are spoken into the world, that is what creates belief. Tom went through this over and over again as we were going through John. Where does it talk about this, about what words do? Romans 10. What does it say in Romans 10? Do you remember Tom? Romans 10, 9. Huh? Yeah, what does it say? If you, yeah. yeah, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Yeah. That's, that's Martin Luther's whole basis of his whole thing. That's, uh-huh. Right? Yeah. It's interesting, it's, he goes to step two. Belief, we think it's all belief, yeah. There's a step two. Confess with your mouth that God yeah. raised him from the dead. Yeah, that's a biggie. Yeah. I mean, most men in the street will go, yeah, right, raised from the dead. You're saying, no, God raised Jesus from the dead. And that is part two of, that, that's key number two to get into heaven. You number one, yeah, hey, Lord, I believe. And? And I believe you raised him from the dead. But more to the point, Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will protect your path. Right on. And, and there's another um, verse that I've bumped into lately that right, speaks about, about this, and that is, we must, it's kind of a get into heaven must, accept the free gift of the remission of sin. So, what, in other words, it's a work. You say, "What can I do to get?" You accept the gift. You can't do anything. God, when He died on the cross, it was opening the door to heaven. It was a gift, and it's like the belief. Do you believe this? I'm giving it to you. Will you receive the remission of sins? You're a sinner. You're not getting into heaven unless I take your sins from you. Do you believe that? Do you believe remission that I will take your sins away? Do you believe that? Lord, I believe that. I am a sinner. I believe you will take my sins away. Heaven opens up. So three, I mean, three, three. Specific, but the gospel is offensive. What? Yes, it does. The yeah, the gospel very, creates the vision. It's offensive. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, Tom, you're saying three parts. Yeah. 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 I never heard that before. But how are you going to, how is it, how are they going to come to that repentance only through the hearing the and word. preaching of God's word? That's the only way it's going to happen. And that's what Romans says, right? Is it's only through the preaching of the word and the power of Jesus. The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. This word of faith is the words of John 6.63 we're reading right now. When Jesus says, the words I speak to you are spirit and life. These same words are what Paul is preaching and saying, the, you know, because if you, well, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Pretty simple. <laughs> I mean, there's a gospel right there in one sentence. 
For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For Scripture said, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. And this, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? I love this right here. Paul just gets right to the point. Well, how are they going to do that? And if they don't believe first, and it says, and how are they to believe in him in whom they've not heard? <laughs> and how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how they preach unless they're sent. Ultimately, if the word is not preached and the word is not heard, people cannot believe. <laughs> they have to know who they have to know who Jesus is. Right. And who, the only way they're going to know who, who Jesus what, is what, is what if it, they what he did here. hear it. And who's going to, who's going to, how are they going to hear it unless someone tells preaches and tells them exactly? Alright? Does that make sense? So, that's all part of what we're doing with John, right? Is, we can all sit up here and we all believe. And we were reading earlier yeah. in, in, in uh, chapter 6, this is verse 28. And remember, these are the skeptics that are saying this. And they said unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? In other words, I would paraphrase and say, what work need I do to get into heaven? Yeah. But mm, let's just good. say what it is. What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said, this is the work of God. One. There's one work. Yeah. Believe in him whom he, God, has sent. Yeah. That's it. So that's, a, that's another, I mean, if you want to put, how do I get into heaven? You want to do one step? Believe on him whom he has sent. Believe in Jesus, and when you believe that he was sent, you're believing that God sent him. So you're getting the whole God-Jesus relationship. I, I believe Jesus was sent by God. Jesus is saying right here, you do that, and you've done the work. That's right. I, I sense that even it's pretty the, simple. The, the, the <laughs> it's actually too simple. The Pharisees wanted yeah. to see, just as much as the, the crowd wanted to see some sign. Some wonder or something. Yeah, he says, yeah. you're only coming and following me because we have food here or we've done yeah. something with the woes. So you're just trying to, you, you're not really trying to believe. You just want to sign and, and I'm saying, I am the bread. I'm the, you know, then he goes on into this, this place. But I, I get what you're saying. Like, well, he's all loving, all caring, all knowing, all, you know, everything that we're supposed to exemplify. Gosh, why would he, why would he, Make it somewhere. hard to see, and then you know these guys are falling away, and these guys believed. Whether they they were chosen to believe, and all that stuff is was a theological thing. But yeah, I understand completely where you know, that's a mystery that we just don't know. There's a What the argument we're kind of yakking here, and it's important, and it's befuddled me a lot. Is how could a good God? How could a God of love? Uh, shove all these people, the majority of people aside. Well, by the way, just just how changing your 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 message just a little bit, you know, just that's a parable. Why, why doesn't he say that? You know, that's, let me finish. Well, so how could a God of love do this horrible thing of sending all these people to hell? So when I'm saying that, I'm going, I'm putting myself on a proud pedestal, saying I know what love is. I know what, like, what good values are and good morality, and I have virtue 
above God's virtue. I'm telling God, I'm saying, God, you're unfair. I know better than you do how to run things. It's prideful. It's prideful to say, how could you do this to these people? God, I mean, you read the book of Job, and, and God's going, Excuse me, are you talking back to me? You know who I am. You do. You know who I am. Yeah. I get it. I'm just. I guess you know when you're when you're 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 an aspirational Christian and you're trying to do all these good works. You're supposed to. You know. You, you hear the. You're supposed to love everybody, and that's. I mean, that's just. It's a little. I'm with you. I don't. You know, know what I'm saying? Uh, that's not me. I mean, I use my blinker and I put my shopping cart back. That's you know, I'll be nice to you, <laughs> but I ain't gonna you know sit there and love you. You know, it's just. And this is kind of telling me that I don't have to. How are you doing? Well, what? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, start to worry about. Ul- <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, what is the greatest love? And I think it's what you. I mean, it's bringing good stuff to you. We do, we say love all the time. Yeah. It gets me this very whatever. What I'm saying is, what is Jesus telling us to do here? What is Paul saying to do? What is the greatest love we can do for another? What is the greatest love? Everyone in your life for another. Yeah. No. What is the greatest love we can do for another? Love it. Well, exemplify it. What are you going to say? Lay down our life. Lay down our life. Okay. Yeah. But how do we do, how can we do that for all the people we, we meet here on Laguna Beach? Put them before our own self-interest. And, okay. Share the gospel right. with them. Yes. And now we're talking. Right? Because you can love them all day. I'm going to be a little facetious. Well, yeah, I'm actually being truthful. I can go up to them and I can give them money and I can do all these things and I can even, in a sense, uh, you know, be careful here. I can say, lay down my life for them. I couldn't even do that. But if they are not a believer, okay, that is not going to bring them to Christ. They have, there's only one way, and you read it, there's only one way in which people come to Christ. They have to hear the word of God. They have to hear the gospel. Mm-hmm. They have to hear yeah. the words of Jesus that he says in John 63. My words are the ones that bring you life. We are the ones now who take this word and bring life to others. And the only way that's going to happen is if we take the word and we, let's call it, preach it. And I'm not saying preach in the sense of what you traditionally do, but we have to share it with someone else. We can, we can love someone all day, but if we don't, if they're not a believer and we don't tell them Jesus is Lord, then they can never come the greatest love we can do is, is to tell them Jesus is Lord, believe. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Well, you, you say that, but that, that's kind of a... Um, I'm, I'm not going to go down to Maine Beach and tell them, tell everybody Jesus is... I mean, it just doesn't... I'm not telling you to go to Maine Beach, but what I am telling you is if you go to Maine Beach <laughs> and you see all the people there, all I'm saying is those, many, if not most, of those people are lost. Okay? They don't know Jesus. And, and they have not, don't know that He is Lord. They don't know that He is the Savior. They, they don't, don't know, know that He died they for their sins. They don't know who He is. That's what Jesus is doing, revealing Himself here and saying, the only way you're going to know me, guess what guys? We're the only ones that can tell others. They're not going to hear it. <laughs> okay? So I'm not saying you should necessarily go to 
may be trying yeah, to I, I, I just have a, a difficult time. Um, this might help you. Pardon? This might help you. Okay. Right at the beginning, when we first started in John. Yeah. I, I think it was you. I think somebody. Um, you challenged us just to speak of Christ right. in our normal daily talk. Exactly. Yeah. Not going yeah. to Main Beach and starting with a towel, <laughs> this person on a towel, and then what was uh, Campus Crusade yeah, used to right. do that? Right. You know. So well, I that's that's been my challenge yeah. since we started this. Is I have a uh, something I do that you guys don't know about. Uh, started before <laughs> started before COVID actually. Um, I do a lot of gardening, and uh, the way I've always gardened or started my garden is I take a big pot and sprinkle seeds in it that I want, and wait for things to come up, and then I transplant them into six packs and and, and eventually wind up developing a garden. But when you sprinkle, reach in and get some lettuce seed and sprinkle it around, well, one pinch will have 50 to 100 seeds in it. So they come up. I choose the 10 I want. And I used to just dump the rest of it. But I, one day I uh, said to myself, I need to find some way to get rid of these to somebody else that wants to garden. So I went uh, on Next Door Neighbor and uh, just sent a message out. I have lettuce, free lettuce, free onions, free chard, free... And during COVID, I did this just before COVID, so I said, you tell me what you want. I'll put it in out on my driveway, put your name on it. You can drive by and pick it up. Mm-hmm. So uh, I I got a following of about 80-something that come by and pick up free plants from me. Great idea. Um, then I, I had a, my grandson, uh, it's a college king, and had dinner with me one night and said, uh, you know, I'd really like to know how do you garden. Would you start writing for me how you garden? So I, I, I did that. Mm-hmm. And I have, uh, 30-some letters, maybe 40 letters mm-hmm. that I've written to him. And one of these people that, uh, I got to know that I was giving plants to, I started I was talking to her. I shared some of those letters with her. She told somebody else, somebody else. So eventually, a whole bunch of people said, would you share the letters with me? Well, in writing these letters on how to garden, I put a lot of my faith into that. And so I am now writing letters to sending letters to 80-some people mm-hmm. every week. Incredible. Uh, with Jesus in them? Yeah. 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 That's awesome. And so... Uh, You're using the word Christ? Yeah. And God. Okay. Yeah. So Wait, it's, uh, and God? Beautiful. I like that. Christ, Christ and God. I <laughs> so both of those. Kind of the broad breath yeah. with God. And so it's... Uh, well, over 
Oh, there's a letter in there. Yeah. Like, like uh, uh, not quite. <laughs> but and, and with uh, yeah, 29 yeah. letters. Right. Congratulations. They'll get right. an idea. And that's where idea. we started. I guess that's where I'm going to go back to say yeah. we have something yes. that, that is what brings spirit and life. But what I found is, is that yeah. of the example, I gave the people yeah, an option. I said, people have asked me for these letters, so I'm sending them out. And I'm sending you letter number one. And if you don't want any more letters like this, yeah. uh, just let me know, and I'll take your name off the list. Right. Yeah. So right. it's, uh, nobody, nobody wrote What's back. Right. And I'm sure there's a lot of that are not where I am spiritually. So oh. it's been interesting this past year. Yeah. Very. Uh, can I do a PS on love? Yeah. Yes, and then we'll close. Yeah. We're back to that. <laughs> no, because it, it, yeah. it helped uh-huh. me as well. Um, I, I was saying, you know, do we know what love is? And are we defining it the way God does? How does he look on that? And the scripture that just popped into mind was, there's no, no greater love than this, that a man would give his life for his friends. So you think you have this concept of love, and it's a good one. Like, I'm going to be nice to the guy at the market. I'm going to love this person I don't like. That's your concept of love that you kind of got from the Bible. God's concept is like, way above that. His concept of love is, I died for you. I'm God. I humiliated myself. I took on your sin, and I died for you. That's, and if you, if we just believe that he did that, We'd be in heaven. All the people in the world, whomsoever, the Bible says. So it's it's not like he's a Grinch. He's, he's so beautifully loving and so beyond our conception. If we just go go with that and let him sort out Calvinism and predestination, you know, that helps me. Because God desires how many to be saved. Oh, everybody. Amen. Everybody. But I, I get it. Again, why the parables? Yeah. You know, why not be a little more literal? That's, you know, we can start that one. We'll ask Jesus that someday. That's on my list. That's on my list. Yeah. Okay. Um, one more sentence. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, there's a lot of grumbling going on from his disciples. Oh, I think that from us. And he says, <laughs> do you take offense at this? So he's, he's now he's <clears throat> setting them up. Yeah. And he says, then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? That's right. He's saying, you, you, ain't, to, you know, you it's, ain't it's almost yet. a frustration <laughs> saying, is that what it's going to take for you guys to finally get it? And yeah. it does, isn't it? He goes to the cross. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't believe it anyway. And what do they do? Then they all leave, including all 12 disciples. I mean, then they all scatter, okay. right? No one follows them to the cross. Um, but they hadn't seen him yeah, raised from the dead right, yet. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. May yeah. I piggyback that real quick yes. before we should close yes. up? So that, as I was reading that, I was thinking of Acts 1-8, where that's what they were expecting. The, the disciples... They're all expecting them bringing the kingdom. That's kind of where you're tripped up on this because you're like going, Lord, why don't you just 
tell it the way it is. You, know, you got you're all over the map. You're talking about eating your flesh, drinking the blood. What kind of weird crap is that? You know, and that's probably what the five thousand were thinking. And we don't know how many of those disciples there were, because you know, when it's all said and done, he shows himself back as a resurrected Christ to five hundred people, right? Yeah. But At in least. Acts in Acts one eight, he's getting ready to ascend to heaven, and the disciples are going, hey, where are you going? We're expecting the kingdom to come in. He goes, it's none of your business. You're going to receive the Spirit, which is yeah. you're what you said, because I really like what you said, that I believe this is a precursor of the Spirit, because he says, you're going to re- receive the Spirit, and you will be my, what? My witnesses in Jerusalem, all of Judea, Samaria, where you don't want to go. <laughs> And then all of the ends of the earth, right? So there's no plan B is what he's saying. And we get tripped up because of this predestination thing. But it's odd that in Romans 8 it says he called, he predestined, he, he glorifies. And then in Romans 10 you read all the way and you stopped. If you want to go on all the way to 17, yeah. he says... Faith comes from hearing and hearing yeah, by the word of Christ, God. right? Yeah, I want you to get to that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, there's, there, there's no plan B. Right. And so somehow exactly. we have to figure out how to love enough to get out of our comfort zone. And the truth of the matter is 85% of Christians don't share their faith. And I'll give you a little test, and I don't want you to raise your hand. Did you all share the gospel last week? Did you share it last month? Did you share it last quarter? How many times did you share it this year? Uh, and if you really check yourself, I'm talking about with words, by the way, right. not with love, right. because there's right. a bunch of Mormons out there, and there's a bunch of <laughs> Jehovah Witnesses that love really, really well. Better they, because they're earning their way to heaven, right? So they gotta love well. We're doomed to Scripture, and we need to let other people know that this Word of God, He gave it to us. It's a love letter. Yeah. So, so I, I love your challenge, by the way. I get yeah. it, man. I I'm, just, yeah. I just, I'm thinking, you know, real time. These people yeah, are hearing good. this stuff. Yeah. We're, we've got hindsight, yeah, yeah. which is this, and it could just be, you know, explain a little bit more clearly. Yeah. And if, if the intention yeah. is to let everybody into heaven, yeah. it's just, it's just. You know, I'm just trying to understand why he wouldn't try to do that. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's, there's one verse that says we see in a mirror dimly. You know, yeah. and, and one day we'll see clearly like he does. He's going to give us, I think he's going to give us the other 90% of our brain. Well, I got it. It's on my list. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yes. Yeah. All right. Using what Dale mentioned about his gardening and the seeds, mm-hmm. that once we become Christians, we're a changed person. New creation. And we have a new countenance. Mm-hmm. And the new countenance are the, are the, it is the seed that people can see in us. That's our opportunity for them to trust us and to see something in us that they don't have. That's the seed that gets planted that gives you the opportunity to grow the seed. That's sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, using, using your blanker would help, too. <laughs> One of the things that keeps coming up for me all the time, I'm sort of a pragmatic kind of a guy, um, and they just say they went across the sea. Mm-hmm. Well, that's eight miles, mm-hmm. some parts. Uh-huh, it is. You know? Yeah. And to go from Capernaum to Tiberias is another, it's an eight-mile walk. And these guys that travel from... Jerusalem to Turkey to Rome to, you know, what was the means of transportation was either getting in some boat, which they didn't have great boats, or walked, you know, and I've never walked from 
a distance from Jerusalem to... Where are you going? Well, I don't get it. It just amazes me that these guys travel around so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they just say, you know, we went to Rome. You know, and you go, really? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's and, a while. And they're in Jerusalem, or they're yeah. in some place. So what's the, what's the scripture out? Blessed are the feet. That... <laughs> this, my friend. Really? Yeah, it is. It is. is. You're right. You don't care if you're a Olympic runner, you know, how blessed are your feet? You're a great athlete. No, you know, God cares if you're spreading the gospel. Yeah. How blessed are your feet? Yeah, I don't know. That brings good. Well, it's like Ken does his right? hikes up through the Sierras and, yeah. you know, up the mountain tops and back down. It's a, it's a big deal to I walk. I hope you guys feel the same I do, but it doesn't get any better than this tonight. Hmm. True story. It's so sweet. It is. Brothers, there's so much truth okay. tonight, so much spirit here. Yeah. And and we can thank Greg because he he was digging deep into this <laughs> into these passages which are hard to grasp. Yeah, which is what you guys are all that's what we're here for. I mean, we're taking this word that brings spirit and life, and we get to talk about it and talk to others so. about it. And what? And talk to others Exactly, about which is why we're talking here, so uh-huh. we talk to others. That's all right, well, Father, I I thank you for this evening. Thank you for just for. I think as Tom just said there, just the opportunity that we have, doesn't get better than this, to come together, to learn about you, to have these questions that maybe never will be fully answered. But Lord, we thank you that you have drawn us, that we have heard that word and that we believe. And we pray, Lord, that we don't just believe, but that we keep on persisting, keep on believing in you. And that we can be your instruments, your people, who take the words you spoke back then and take those words and tell the world who you are so everyone can believe. We love you, Lord. We thank you for the gift of your presence, your very spirit you put in us. And we thank you that you've given us your very words so we can believe and tell others those words. May we do that this week. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys.